The MarTech Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. From advertising to software as a service to data, Across all of our programs and clients, we've seen a 55 to 65% open rate. Getting brands authentically integrated into content performs better than TV advertising. Typical lifespan of an article is about 24 to 36 hours. If we're reaching out to the right person with the right message and a clear call to action, then it's just a matter of timing. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast, a Ben J. Shap LLC production. In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of world-class marketers that use technology to drive business results and achieve career success. We'll unearth the real-world experiences of some of the brightest minds in the marketing and technology space so you can learn the tools, tips, and tricks they've learned along the way. Now here's the host of the MarTech Podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome to SaaS Marketing Week on the MarTech Podcast. This week, we're going to publish an episode every day talking about some practical frameworks and tactical tips to help you level up your SaaS marketing game. Joining us for SaaS Marketing Week is Rachel Leist, who is the Senior Director of Marketing at HubSpot, which is a leading customer relationship management platform that provides software and support to help businesses grow better. HubSpot builds sales, marketing, services, and website management products that start at free and scale to meet any of their customers' needs at any stage of growth. And in addition to providing us with our guest today, HubSpot is also a sponsor of the MarTech Podcast. Yay! And today, Rachel and I are going to discuss the SaaS Demand Gen Playbook. All right, here's the first part of SaaS Marketing Week with Rachel Leist from HubSpot. Rachel, welcome to the MarTech Podcast. Thanks so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. So excited to have you on the show, not only because you're a representative from HubSpot, obviously a company we know, love, they support our podcast, but also your fellow Boston University alum, Go Terriers. I was just going to say, Go Terriers, a great place. We will try to keep the BC slander to a bare minimum, other than saying that our hockey team is superior. Anything else you want to add? It's true. We always win the bean pot. All right. So two bean pot champions here, but everybody wants to know about your career, your business work. And specifically, we're going to talk about the SaaS demand gen playbook. Look, HubSpot is a SaaS platform. You also work with lots of other SaaS companies. Talk to me a little bit about what you see across the portfolio of SaaS companies that you work with that are some commonalities for businesses that are successful promoting their SaaS. I think the ability to pivot, especially during the last couple of years with COVID. Across the SaaS business, there was definitely an impact when COVID hit. Prospects wanted more educational content. A lot of people were losing their jobs and they didn't want to buy as often. And the companies that have been really successful have been able to really pivot and continue to put their customer first. I think that is the most important. Putting the customer at the center is always the solution for everyone. Big part of being successful in demand gen is knowing who you're targeting, putting your customer first, telling them the right story. All the other marketing channels that you're working on have to do with the center of understanding who your customers are. 
So talk to me about how you think about defining your customer and segmenting your customer for SaaS businesses. Are you looking just at job titles? Are you looking at industries? What are some of the metrics that you look for to try to define your customer so you can market to them? Yeah, I think yes to everything you said and more. There's a really fine line between being personalized and being creepy. It's really important to kind of balance that. So we definitely look at job title. We look at industry. We are looking at what people are doing on the website and in the products. We are looking at where they are in their life cycle. It's so important to be contextual and to make sure we're reaching them at the right time as well. There's a big aspect of timing to everything. You know, I'll use a dating metaphor and I use this often on the MarTech podcast. Hopefully this doesn't cross the line of creepy, but right person, right place, right time. That's generally the secret sauce for finding a significant other and also finding your customers. Lots of dating metaphors between demand gen and dating. It's really true. You know, some of our most successful demand gen plays are all about the timing and the place, like you said. So when someone goes to a certain page on our website, you need to immediately use automation and reach out to them and say, I see you were taking this action. Here's some helpful resources, anything else you have on your mind. And of course, in a very polished way to say that, but that it does hit upon right place, right time, right messaging. All right. So through this week, we're going to work our way down from top to bottom of the funnel. And, and we're starting at the top with demand gen. I think most people are saying, look, demand gen, you're doing cold email outreach. You're doing some LinkedIn prospecting. You're going to some events back in the day when people left their houses. What do you think is the right marketing mix? And, and for SaaS businesses, is there sort of a tried and true playbook? For us at HubSpot, it's really about content and SEO and using the right keywords at the right time. We do host events. We still host events virtually. And that is something that's great for us for our demand gen efforts. But I think the things that are the most successful are really about creating the right content for your audience. And that goes back to what you were saying earlier around personas and targeting and right place at the right time, making sure your content is actually relevant for the times. I keep using the example about COVID, but everyone had to adjust. You have to adjust your content strategy and not just your engagement strategy. So I think that there's a time and a place for content. There's also a time and a place for acquiring customers or or at least acquiring top of funnel pipeline. Obviously, HubSpot is a best-in-class, world-class content creator, right? There's an army of writers that are working for HubSpot producing wonderful content. And they've also got a great podcast network. Shout out the rest of us. But not everybody has the resources, headcount, even in-house capabilities to produce content, and they still need to fill demand in a relatively short period of time. Talk to me about the challenges and the trade-offs between running a PPC-led demand gen engine and a content-led engine. It's not always about the quantity of content. We actually ran an experiment years ago where we looked at, I don't remember the exact number of posts, but if we launched five, six posts a day versus one post, like what was, what was that sweet spot? And it wasn't actually about the number of posts per day, because sometimes you can get to be too much content. So what really makes a difference for us is the optimization of that content and making sure that you are writing with your audience in mind. Again, going back to the customer is always the most important. Customers should be at the center of all of your strategies. And then you can augment it with things like 
paid to get it in front of more people, but it's really about the quality of that content and the keywords you're using. I'll push back a little bit. More great content is always better. Lots of crappy content versus one good piece of content is not better. Yeah, though, I would say in the experiment we ran, it wasn't that we spent less time on each post. It was that we spent the same amount of time on each post. The team just worked longer to get more content out to really have a true A-B test. I agree with you, though. Less quality content is better than more crappy content. Just like the seven-layer brownie I had for lunch, (laughs) there is such thing as too much of a good thing. It's true. (laughs) It was delicious. There is a time and a place for performance marketing. And this comes down to what stage are you? HubSpot, a very mature publicly traded company, has had a successful marketing program for years, if not decades. Early stage startups don't have the domain reputation, the in-house muscle built, the strength, the conditioning to constantly pump out content. So they need to find other sources. When you get into performance marketing, how do you balance how much you should be spending on your performance marketing program when you don't have the HubSpot.com domain and domain authority behind you? I've been at HubSpot for 10 years. So I've seen us go through a couple of different stages of growth and you have to start somewhere. And I don't expect a startup to have a content engine the way we do. A lot of our customers were giving the same advice to, you know, we have customers of all sizes as well, but there are a lot of startups who are customers of HubSpot and they are starting by, can they get out one blog post a week? What is the most important thing? What is the biggest challenge that their audience has? And starting there is really my biggest recommendation to those startups. I'm the host of the Voices of Search podcast as well, which is an SEO and content marketing podcast. And so I am constantly evaluating the difference between performance marketing and organic marketing. And the metaphor that I like the best is performance marketing is like eating sugar, where it's an instant burst of energy. But when you're done digesting it, it's gone and it doesn't have any value for you. And if you do it too much, it'll make you fat. Organic marketing, SEO, content creation is like eating broccoli. You will probably won't get a lot of burst of energy right away, but if you keep doing it over time, you get big and strong and healthy. Maybe you could use chicken if you want to as, the, as your metaphor, you know, something with some protein. But moral of the story here is there's a time and a place for that immediate burst of energy. Early stage startups that need their first thousand site visitors to get some data so they can build retargeting audiences, so they can get a couple emails so they can build the list and have some people to start syndicating their content to. Sure, there's a time and a place for it. But when you work on content over time, it becomes more valuable. So what I like that you said was you should prioritize content early. You always want to start somewhere. You got to build content because it goes from one to two to four to eight to 16 and so on in terms of page visits gets more valuable over time as opposed to performance marketing, just one to one to one to one to one to one to one, unless you're going to increase your budgets. So with that said, when we're talking about the demand gen playbook, you not only have to balance your paid versus your organic growth strategies, what are some of the other ways that you're getting people in the door other than performance marketing, placing ads and writing content? So we do focus the most on content and paid and of course our education with Academy. And we have specially built that out during COVID. 
there are other things we do like our annual inbound event. We have regular events throughout the year that we use for our customers and potential customers as well. And then we're really focused on building out our brand awareness. What I'm hearing is a little bit of the 80-20 rule from you is that, look, you've got kind of your main two channels. We're going to create as much content as we can. We're going to get some SEO value out of that, hopefully syndicated on our social networks. We're obviously going to do performance marketing and just try to drive people that have shown an indication of interest in our products and services to the site. And then there's kind of the other bucket, the 20%. We're going to do some events. We're going to do maybe some cold outreach. Don't tell anybody. You can email people if they don't sign up for your list. Not that we would ever do that, but SaaS companies have been known to send emails on their own. And you mentioned brand awareness, things like not necessarily television, but local radio, podcasts. There's all these sort of other awareness driving channels where you're trying to get people to understand who you are and what you're about. Local associations, being a member of the community, being visible and vocal without necessarily giving somebody something to click on. I think that's another big part of filling the demand gen playbook. So there's lots of ways that you can fill your pipeline. And Rachel happens to be an expert on what you do when you have people coming through the door a little bit farther down funnel. And we're going to pick her brain throughout the rest of this week about how you can take those leads, that traffic, those site visitors, and actually start to turn them into customers. And that wraps up this episode of SaaS Week on the MarTech Podcast. Thanks to Rachel Leist, Senior Director of Marketing at HubSpot, for joining us. If you'd like to hear more of Rachel and HubSpot's tips to building an effective SaaS marketing strategy, we're going to publish an episode every day this week. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and check back with us tomorrow morning when we discuss email marketing guidelines for SaaS businesses. If you can't wait until our next episode and you'd like to learn more about Rachel, you can find a link to her LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact her on Twitter, where her handle is Rachel Leist, that's R-A-C-H-E-L-L-E-I-S-T, or you can visit her company's website, which is HubSpot.com. Just one more link in our show notes I'd like to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, head over to martechpod.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You could subscribe to our weekly newsletter and you can even send us your topic suggestions or your marketing questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is martechpod, M-A-R-T-E-C-H-P-O-D on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Or you can contact me directly. My handle is benjshap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day this year. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. All right, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy. Thanks for listening to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. Looking to launch or scale a podcast like this one for your brand? Then visit IHearEverything.com.